We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast, this for UFC Minneapolis. It's Frankie Murder Week, and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mr. Cody Saftik. Right on, right on. Nothing better than Frankie Murder Week. You know, on last week, I got... You lost your John Lineker. I lost so my John Lineker week, so if, if Frankie Murder somehow pulls out of this fight, like I'm going to be pretty broken up. That's, that's a rough two weeks for me. Looking at the card as a whole, if Frankie Murder pulls off this fight card, I think the UFC would also be very devastated and brokenhearted. This is true, because there's been a lot of things that dropped off. Like There was supposed to be, this is the ESPN3, there was fights, supposed to be Robbie versus Woodley, I believe. There was supposed to be a bunch of other fights. Like Obviously, some of the other bums and stuff have been replaced and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, the big one was that yeah, Robbie versus Woodley was supposed to, I believe, headline this card. Yeah, well, it was and then they be, pulled uh, Frankie or Fran- Frankie Murder versus JDS yeah, was pulled yeah. off of uh, pulled off of International it's, Fight Week to be on this thing, right? But I mean, it's just been a lot of like fight shuffling. So, for example, the big one is obviously Woodley versus Robbie Lawler, but then Vinicio Moraes loses his opponent, so they find him a replacement. Chad Skelly versus Jordan Griffin. Griffin gets a new that opponent. Fun. Justin Ledet versus Dolce. Uh, Ledet pulls off Dolce gets a new opponent. Sergio Pettis versus Ricardo Ramos. So were they fights that the the average fight fan was super excited about? Probably not. This is a marquee main event. The UFC needs to keep this intact. And uh, yeah, knock on wood. Why are we even talking about it not happening? This is a great fight. Can't wait to get into it. Before we get into any of that, uh, last week's winner, Gabe7x. Congratulations. 20 DK dollars should be in your account right now. This week's... Uh, challenge what you gotta do give the episode a like step number one or or give it a heart or whatever the hell I'll call it on facebook youtube it's everywhere that you need it to be right now make sure you give it a like and per, uh sorry uh provide your dk handle so and step number three cody this was cody's brainchild 
Well, yeah, well, Chad and I spoke about it last week. So Paul mentioned the fact that he's got a terrible Twitter handle. Like, how is anybody supposed to find this? There's the like guy? 37 H's and like seven D's. Just so many H's and so many yeah. D's, like that the average person just not, not going to figure it out. No. Not going to figure it out. So for this week's challenge, provide what should his handle be. If, if it's also too many letters, you're not going to win. When I say you're not going to win, you still might win because Pat is the prize department. So he might random draw. But I'm going to say that provide what should Chad Dow's new Twitter handle be and whoever comes up with the best one Chad's got to pick one of them and Chad's going to take said new handle and you'll get the 20 DK bucks do I get 20 help DK out, dollars help out for, producer Chad for for saying Chaddy the baddie I hear that's what all the kids Chaddy the baddie Chaddy pretty the long baddie chat I don't know I don't know I don't know I was going to say the Chad Dow depending on where you're from you might pronounce that at the Chad Dow but uh, just put a the in front of it T-H-E the internet his name. Will, will cure what ails Chad's Twitter. The internet, collectively, a lot yeah. smarter than you or I, Paul. So, That's very uh, true. At least on coming up with creative and quirky Twitter handles. So, yeah. Give the episode a like. Share your DK handle. And what is Chad's new Twitter handle? He may not change it. He may be stubborn and, and about, not listen to the internet. What about the Radley internet? Chadley? Ooh. Ooh. There's... So bad. (laughs) I feel like the internet's going to solve this issue for for our good friend Chad. Let's get in the main event now. We've got uh, Francis Ngannou taking on Junior Dos Santos. Frankie Murder is 8,800 minus 245 favorite. Junior Dos Santos, 7,400 and plus 205. There is nobody in the UFC that their lines are more reflective reflective of recency bias and like listen i love frankie murder i think he beats stipe again that one i'm a little bit less unsure about i think if he fights Derek lewis he beats him and in a rematch like there was that little window of time that he was looking awful but then you know he was an underdog against kane he was an underdog against blades in a fight that he had already won so it's just like Everyone, people are either super high or he sucks. Yeah. And, and right now, everyone's super high. I think he's going to knock out JDS. Like, I don't think anybody can hang with those hands. Minus 245 seems a little bit sk- silly to me, to be perfectly honest. Like, it's heavyweights, and we do know Frankie Murders struggles with his gas tank a bit. JDS, if he if he lacks Good anything else, he's, he's pretty tank. quick on his feet. Uh, he His boxing's super sharp. And he can, yeah, he can go five rounds. We've seen him. We've do seen it. him go five rounds many, many times. So, I'm not. Yeah, he's definitely live here. I do think that uh, you hang out with Frankie Murder. Yeah, it's striking range. You're gonna get torqued at some point, though. So, Frankie Murder is my pick. I like him on DraftKings 8800. I do see a, an early knockout, but it's just interesting how like. His lines are just, like, not consistent. Certain guys are just always, you know, at the beginning of his career, he was taking on absolute cans. So, like, it made sense, like, He's always favor, 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 favor. Then he took on Blades the first time. I think he was a slight underdog. He was actually a bigger underdog against Blades the second time, which was baffling. We people, were passing were off, a plus 170 on that one. Yeah, because it got um, to a point where you couldn't you couldn't really uh, trust the guy. I mean, the fight with Stipe, not only does he gas, but he proves yeah, what we kind of already knew. He can't really wrestle. And when he's on the ground, he's got a smart guard. He's got an educated guard. He'll just try to wrap you up. But, like, his get-up game's not great. He's got to rely on the referee standing you up. And if you're doing ground and pound, good ground and pound, Stipe is known for good ground and pound, 
they're not going to stand you back up. So he's got flaws in his game. The Derek Lewis fight, he, this is silver platter here, buddy. This guy's not going to take you down. And if he does take you down, he, he's got Frodo's ground and pound. But he's not really known for his ability to hold guys down for the most part. So it'll be a stand-up battle, you versus Derek Lewis. You're going to spark him. Doesn't throw any punches. So now you've got a guy that mentally seems weak, does, is not throwing any punches, It doesn't have a good ground game, doesn't have good cardio, and you got Dana White going on record, throwing him right under the bus and being like... This guy's in his own head. He thinks he's uh, too big. Ba ba ba. He leaves his gym in France. He comes to uh, Vegas. Like so, now people are off for the Blades fight. Blades is on a roll, and he sparks him. What do you take away from that fight? Did he fix the wrestling? I don't know. The cardio? I don't know. He 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 punches Blades out in like forty seconds, and then the Kane fight. Same thing. I don't know that he's fixed any of those problems. He sparks out Kane in a minute, and people will blame the knee. It was like, no, nah, he, he punched out Kane Velasquez in a minute. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. So now coming into this fight, I think you can go back to, oh, he's back, but you don't fully know he's back. You know the one thing that you've known since this guy came to the UFC in the first place and the risky, is that he's got a massive amount of power. And the and risky so business, line for that. The, exactly. The risky business is that they're, they're hanging out a minus 245. We've said it. I said it to myself, especially after... After the Blades fight and after the Velasquez fight most recently. If you get plus 100 on Francis Ngannou against anybody, Daniel Cormier, anybody. He embodies puncher's chance. He's the definition of puncher's chance. He's the definition. He can defeat any human on this planet. Exactly. He lands the right strike at that. Like It's a 50-50 proposition against anybody. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before. Introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every 2019 Showtime Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime Boxing Swag Bag. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to play against this Saturday's slate with the main event featuring Jamal Charlo versus Brandon Adams. Now it's, you know, minus 245. It's not 50. I don't have the math on, <laughs> on me at the top of my head. They're saying 70, or basically 70% of the time. My math may be off. Um, don't, don't hang me in the comment section for being off on that uh, mathematically in my head. But uh, yeah, it's a definitely a risky proposition. Junior Dos Santos has hung with the best guys in the world. And, you know, I, I'm, I fully expect Frankie Murder to come out and shine. And, and, you know, he'll be next in line. Whenever something gets sorted out at heavyweight, there's kind of a bit of a holdup there. Brock Lesnar kind of held up the division for eight months, and now he's probably not going to ever yeah. fight. And now, obviously, I think, I think yeah, he takes on the winner of uh, Stipe versus uh, Cormier. You know, when you talk about uncertainties in, in guys in Francis Ngannou and that maybe when he's at his highest of the highs, everybody loves him. When he's at his lowest of the lows, nobody loves him. Junior DeSantos is kind of in the same boat. Here's a guy that's a former champion, and then blasted by Cain Velasquez that second time in, like, a life-altering beating. The Overeem fight gets knocked out. Oof, bad one for him. The Stipe Miocic fight the second time around. Even the first time around, dude, that was five hard rounds. The third time he fought Cain Velasquez, you want to talk about five hard rounds. That's, like, those are the most devastating car wreck rounds you could get. Maybe he's shot porn. Maybe we're not on him. And now he's on a three-fight winning streak, and... You got to give him his respect. One thing I actually found very interesting with Junior DeSantos is that here's a guy that will take the time to rehab himself up, for the most part anyways. He loses to Cain Velasquez that second time, and then he takes a year off before fighting Cain Velasquez uh, for the third time. Then he takes 
one full year off before taking on Stipe. He takes one full year off before taking off Alistair Overeem. He takes one full year off before, or it was two full years before he fought Stipe again. But then Blagoy, he fights Blagoy. Th- five months later, he fights Tai Tuivasa. Three months after that, he fights Derek Lewis. And now this is three months after the Derek Lewis fight. So now he's fighting often and he's getting his rhythm back. Mm-hmm. And he's not taking, he's taking some damage, but for the most part, maybe he's there. But I got to go back to the fact that he's a 35 year old guy that, historically speaking, he can beat the Tai Tuivasas and the Derek Lewis. But when he takes on a pure power puncher, someone who's going to hit him, one thing with the Junior DeSantos fight is he's going to get hit. He always gets hit. You mentioned earlier when you were breaking down Junior a little bit that he's got crisp boxing. Even though he's known for his boxing and he's got great boxing for heavyweight, I don't really find him crisp. He's more of a brawler. He was a guy that back in his prime, he overpowered you. Back between like what, 2007 to 2012, he just got in there with you. He came forward. He closed that distance. He put hands on you. Sure, you might hit him a couple times back, but he just had so much power. He had that big uppercut. But as when he fought Alistair Overeem, that was the time that you realized he's not a great striker. He's a big brute. And Overeem picks his shots, knocks him out. This fight with Stipe. Stipe's a clean boxer. Stipe picks his punches, knocks him out. This fight with Francis Ngannou, Francis is going to lay hands on you. It's probably going to happen at some and point. And when he lays life. hands on people, they go to sleep. When he touches people, they go to sleep. When you get touched by hands like this, historically, you've gone to sleep. At 35 years old, I can't imagine that he's getting better and better. And you got to go look back at this win streak. The, the first fight in that list, Blagoy Ivanov, who I'm really not high on. I know he's winning. So stupid I went against him last time, but whatever. But anyways, Blagoy, not a good fight for JDS, but he had some ring rust. He took the year off. We get it. That second fight with Tai Tuivasa, Paul, he's getting fucking touched up, and he's getting hurt. And good thing he's able to catch Tai Tuivasa and put him down, because Junior's taking some damage in there by some green, unheralded New Zealander. Okay, fair enough. Then you look at that last fight with Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis looks like he's about to body over. He's done. He's literally sitting there. I don't even know why the refs are letting this continue. And still, Junior DeSantos manages to get clobbered and go down from punches from Derek Lewis. Like, just his defense is not quite there. And we've seen when good, when better strikers than him touch him, it's not great. So I, I got to go Francis Ngannou. But if when I look at cardio advantage, I got to give it to Junior. And wrestling advantage, I, I mean, I, I got, I got to give it to Junior. I guess, but Junior never uses his wrestling. He never uses his People, wrestling. There's been a lot of talk of wrestling. like, oh, he's gonna go after, he's gonna try to take him down. It's just like, well. Francis Ngannou goes into every single fight thinking this guy's gonna try to take me down. So like I don't I don't think Junior's got some sort of wrestling that we've never really seen before that's just gonna show up in this fight and he's just gonna put on a wrestling clinic against this guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. I looked at the numbers on it and he hasn't scored a takedown in the UFC in five years. But when you oh. look at but when you look at some of the guys that he had scored takedowns of, and this is going back, he has a takedown over Stipe Miosic. He has a takedown over Mark Hunt. That doesn't really count for anything. He has two takedowns over Shane Carwin. Fuck, that's not bad. He's got a takedown against Roy Nelson. When you see how Roy Nelson's built, that's kind of impressive. These are all guys that are probably like, you know what, there's no way Junior tries to come into this fight and try to take me down. We, yes, yes. Yes. It's and, also and, guys that are but, super slow. But there's a lot of people thinking that about this fight as well. Junior's probably not going to take me down because he hasn't taken anybody down in the last five years. And I tend to agree with that. I'm not saying by no means he's going to go out there and take him down. But Francis Ngannou goes on record recently and says, oh, jiu-jitsu black belt, this guy's a fake black belt. And that kind of irks Junior and irks Junior's coach. And now Junior's like, what the fuck, man? So if they're smart, 
standing in front of this guy and exchanging punches is not the game plan. True. Tying him up for the first round, trying to tire him out, yeah. take him into later Hold rounds. Hold him up against the cage, yeah, trying to yeah, stay yeah. out of danger, but get, getting close to, to this guy is danger. You know how we talked about guys like Cesar Ferreira? I, I, can't, I can't strike no more. I don't got no chin. I have to adapt my game plan. Well, there's also the Glover Texera. I can't, I'm not quite as fast as I used to be, but I can still beat these young guys. I got to tire them out the first round with greedy grappling and try to make this wrestling. And then in the second round, I can tee off on them. In the second round, they're a little slower. I can touch them up. Now the speed's on the same level. I kind of look at this a little bit in the same way. Junior's got to be able to bring it to his level and slow this fight down. So maybe he tries to wrestle in that first round and then strike later on. I just don't see it working out for him. At some point, he's going to get caught because if you look at his entire body of work, he, he always gets caught. Flip side to that, you look at Francis's body of work. He still he had didn't power. throw any punches against Derek Lewis, so you can't say, well, he well, I mean, hit Derek Lewis and Lewis Stipe, didn't go down. He still had power in those shots in like round four and five, and he was yeah. about as tired as he could possibly be. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we're both going Francis and Ghanu. Mm-hmm. I think we I both think don't if, like. You might the as price. well like minus two forty five. Just like just bet the KO prop, man. I I would be very surprised if Francis and Ghanu won a decision. I mean, crazier things have happened, but if you want a decision against JDS. If they go out there like Derek Lewis versus uh, Francis Ngannou, maybe that's how it gets five rounds and, and nobody gets a finish. But I would just bet uh, Francis Ngannou by TKO slash KO. That would be my play if I was going to. I, I don't I don't think as of yesterday, at least the uh, the odds weren't out for that. The inside the distance was down to like minus 205. Um, so the KO prop should be even better. I don't see a submission happening. No, no, yeah, I, so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just, assume a submission just, happens. If you're gonna bet Frankie, but yeah, it's, like it's you said, the KO crazy, crazy things have happened. Everybody and their mom was telling you that him versus Derek Lewis was not going the distance, Fair. and it did, and absolutely nothing happened. And so now you have Francis Ngannou. His last two fights have barely gone past a minute. So okay, do we know that he's fixed his cardio problems? I don't know. So yeah, maybe he does knock him out in the first round. If he doesn't knock him out in the first round, maybe he's got to settle into a rhythm. And if he settles into a rhythm. And Junior doesn't want. Junior feels that power in the first round. He doesn't want to feel it again. You could get a slower pace fight. Yeah, logic's going to dictate it's going to be TKO. Crazier things have happened, but uh, I'm going to go with Francis. Francis by knockout, 8,800 on DraftKings. I would have some shares of that, no doubt about it. The 245, I don't love it, but it is what it is. He is my pick. And uh, there's just been such an unbelievable string of underdog headliners coming through recently that maybe this is another one on that trend. And what can you say? But eventually, the dog's got the dog's gonna get pounded on, and Francis seems like the kind of guy to do it. All right, we got uh, Joseph Benavides taking on Juice Formiga. Joseph Benavides, 8,400 minus 165 favorite. Juice Formiga is 7,800 plus 145. Who you got? Formiga's kind of live or die by that takedown. He needs to get the takedown. We know how good his vaunted grappling is, but it's all going to get set up on his ability to score the takedown. From there, whatever, back take, hold you down. We know that he's top notch. Uh, if he doesn't get it, his issue, Paul, is that he does not throw any strikes. Mm-hmm. Even when he does get the fight to the ground. Ground and pound, pfft. Non-existent. It's all about just like positional soundness. He's been on a good little run his past couple fights, but he's just not fighting anybody that could be considered the same level of a Joseph Benavidez. And if Benavidez can go in there, stuff those takedowns, then I expect uh, that to be the story of it. What I mean on the on the takedown front for Miga is lose to Ray Borg, not able to take down Ray Borg, not able to take down Henry Cejudo. He loses those fights. Takes takes down Olka Sasaki, Yuta Sasaki. Oh, okay, who has it? Submits him, no problem. Takes down Ben Nguyen, not known for his wrestling. Takes down Sergio Pettis. Takes down Davidson Figueroa. 
all four of those guys, not known for the wrestling in the slightest bit. So yes, he's on a four-fight winning streak. Yes, he is looking better, but this is just not the stylistical matchup for him. Joseph Benavidez, since that knee surgery, I mean, the guy just works, seems to work incredibly hard, rehabbed himself pretty good. Uh, his last two fights, I thought he's kind of looked apart anyways. And even though with the Dustin Ortiz fight, he did give up three takedowns, he's able to just scramble, right? Like, he's a black belt as well. He knows jiu-jitsu as well. I wouldn't say he's as good as Formiga, but it's not as if he's going to give up his back in, like, a bad transition. I don't see that happening. I see if it's a single leg, a low single, something like that. Formiga does get the fight to the ground. Benavidez remains calm, gets up to a hip, gets to the cage, gets back up, makes some work, and it's in the striking that'll be the big difference here. When you look at, say, Borg versus Formiga, Borg, he, or Formiga shoots three takedowns on him, doesn't get any of them, and then kind of bails on it. He realizes right then and there, Borg's strong, Borg's a good wrestler, mm. I can't take him down. 30 significant strikes landed over the course of 15 minutes against Ray Borg. There's just no output. So I expect Ben Vidas to go in there knowing this guy's extremely one-dimensional. I'm going to wait on the low kicks. I'm not going to overextend myself early. I'm going to stuff the takedowns, piece him up a little bit. And when Formiga starts to get tired, he's way less effective. So give me Joby one. I've never really liked Ben Vidas on a DraftKings point of view. Uh, he's he's fast. He's he actually does score pretty good. He's got transitions. He's got takedowns. He but this to is lock. not a fight where those take like he's not gonna like maybe he thinks I, I, I could take this guy down and, and stay in his guard. But like I think he's right. gonna feel a lot more safe hanging out on the feet against GCA Formiga here. So. But the thing is, yes, if you take away the, that wrestling yeah, you from take him, out, take away those three takedowns per fight. You take away those fifteen points. Is he really scoring all that much? Not really. Yeah, and against the average guy, uh, against the Alex Perez's of the world or whatnot, he's gonna be able to score ground transitions, takedowns, and some knockdowns and all that. But there's certain guys like Yusir Formiga, and there's certain guys like Ronnie Yaya where they can just slow the fight down to a grind. And it doesn't allow you to score the points. So if Joby Wan doesn't go for those takedowns, doesn't go to those ground transitions, doesn't get any of that, then I'm limited to just the significant strikes. And I would expect him to double up. So let's say Formiga's going to land 20, 30 strikes. Joby's probably going to land 60, 70 significant strikes at yeah. most. The fact that he's $8,400, it looks like a good price because he's a decent enough favorite. There's a lot of other guys in that range that I think yeah, have yeah. higher, higher ceilings. If you have money... I would say he'd be an okay cash game play because even if he does lose, I don't, I really don't see him getting finished. I expect him to, you know, score you some points at some point. If he gets desperate enough, he's not going to lose the striking exchanges. And if you're worried that he gives up his back and he spends the whole round with a guy backpacked to him, and he scores no points. Has that happened to him? No. So he just fought Justin Ortiz, the scramble master. And, uh, He's a good grappler anyway, so I'm going to have to give the advantage to Joby Wan. 165 money line, I think that's very generous. I actually don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind He is either. getting older. He does have the knee surgery. Three fights back, he didn't look but yeah, like he was the same guy. But yeah, he's progressively kind of gotten better from that knee surgery, I think. But he looks to have made strides forward. So for that, I'll give him a little more trust, a little more faith, and I will play the 165. Yeah, I can't really add anything to what you said there. I like jo Joby Wan as well. I think it's just a good matchup for him. As long as he just stays out of trouble, doesn't get choked out, and he's just such a savvy veteran. He's been in there with everybody that I think he, he's the guy to, to yeah, stay yeah, out yeah. of trouble. And this isn't the young lion prospect looking to take his head off and make his name. This is like also There's savvy veteran There's tons of tape guy, on, like, on, on Juicy yeah, Formiga yeah, to like, get yourself ready for Right. This. It's like I got this guy snuffed out. I'm, you know, so I, anyways, I, uh, I, think, I think it should go as well. Damian Maya takes on Anthony Rocco Martin. I promised last time that if Tony Martin had won his last fight that I would – Refer to him by his long form name. Couldn't fit that on the board because, come on, man. Anthony plus Rocco plus Martin just doesn't fit our template, bro. But we got uh, Damian Maya, who is 8,600 and a minus 185 favorite. Rocco Martin is 
7,600 and plus 160. Um, Damian Maya, we, there was the narrative or whatever. Not even narrative, just when you look at his, all of his fights. He takes down every single person. Then he gets into this, he gets up to, into that title contention area and the p- top of the guys at 170 pounds, all elite wrestlers, elite wrestlers, scores zero takedowns against uh, Tyrone Woodley, Colby Covington, and Kamaru Usman. Exactly, Whoa. exactly. And then he follows our uh, last fight out, uh, Lyman Good, takes him down twice early yeah. on, gets a first round finish, gets a submission, does Damian Maya things. Anthony Rago Martin has good takedown defense. He comes from a good camp. He has all of this. But, like, Damian Maya succeeds against guys like this. Um, I think Damian Maya, his, his ability to just chain his takedowns together. He's a jiu-jitsu guy who became really good at wrestling, and once he got that wrestling, he can beat guys of this ilk. The one question I guess you have is, eh, he's getting a little bit older, but he it didn't stop him whatsoever against Lyman Good. I know Rocco Martin is a step up from what uh, Lyman Good really presents in terms of danger, takedown defense, a whole bunch of other things, but give me Damian Maia. The old horse gets another gets another dub in the column. I, I legitimately think he can still kind of hang in that top 10, and I don't know if I'm willing to put Martin there. That being said, I have been known to be a bit of an Anthony Rocco Martin hater. It could be those sideburns. Something about those sideburns bother me. Yeah, there's a lot of things about him that could make him an unliked character. He's kind of got a big mouth. He's dating Kayla Harrison, who's like, it's so unfair watching her fight at 155 against these women because she literally just crushes them. It's like the most one-sided fights. Very unfortunate. I'm pretty sure he's managed by Ali, which Ali's, by the way, the best like, manager in the game. Greatest manager of all time. I don't know why. Doesn't that, kinda, hate. doesn't that kind of bother you? He's got the weird mutton chops. He also changed his name from Tony to Rocco on the basis of my mom told me I should have been named Rocco, but she didn't want me to be named Rocco because I'd get into too many fights. Not exactly riveting stuff. Also, I'm not going to get into it, but he's got like a domestic abuse from back in the day. But Tony Martin has proven over the last little bit, pretty good fighter. Uh, he's making strides big time. I mean, here's a guy that he's got some good things going his way. I wanted to fully pull the trigger on a dog play here, but I pushed out due to the fact that, again, it's a stylistical nightmare for him. He gives up takedowns in all of his fights, and, and he's taking on Damian Maya. Giving up takedowns against Damian Maya's death. Is an extreme problem. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, dog, he gave up three takedowns in his last fight against Sergio Marais. It's like, yeah, and I know, and Sergio is really, really good, really good. Here's the one difference. Sergio Marais has no ring IQ. Very little ring IQ. Very, very little. Whereas Damian Maia has made a complete career off the fact that I have extreme good... Remember he tried to strike for a little bit and Nate Marquardt punched him right in the fucking face and he folded down in like 21 seconds. And after that, he was like, yeah, fuck this striking stuff. I'm just going to figure out how to get the fight to the ground. He's taken down Jake Shields. He's taken down John Fitch. He's taken down Rory McDonald. Yes, he struggled against the new breed and yeah. the elite of the elite. He could take down the elite from 10 years ago. To yeah. The 2010s elite, you're going down. 42-year-old Damian Mai, he's going he's gonna to struggle a little bit there. But can he take down Tony Martin? Yeah, Martin gave up three takedowns against Sergio Marais. Martin, uh, he, he gave up two takedowns against uh, Keitaro Nakamura, right? He gave up takedowns to Ryan LaFleur, who's a better wrestler than those guys. But he gives up takedowns. Damian Mai, not only does he take you down, but he like takes you down straight to a back take. Or you're not on the ground for very long before he's, he's passing he to mount. He gets to mount. <laughs> and then what are so your options? Smooth. Do you turn and allow him to take the back take? From which point he doesn't need to get under your chin. He'll just phrase crank you. 
Tony Martin, back in the day when he was just getting started in the UFC, he comes in as a purple belt. He's a Lloyd Irvin purple belt, which is good pedigree, <clears throat> but he's just a purple belt. And he's taking on jiu-jitsu guys, better guys in jiu-jitsu, and he's getting submitted. That's kind of his kryptonite. He takes on the Leo Santos of the world. He's, he's going to get submitted. So now he's looking better. He's making strides. Young prospect, training at an ATT, getting better every time we see him. But maybe the grappling deficiency against the highest level guys, maybe that's, that's still the issue. And when Damian Maya. He looks like he's going to get takedowns, and it looks like he has that grappling pedigree that gives Tony Martin trouble. Rocco Martin, sorry. It looks like a stylistical problem for him. Now, where I give Tony a couple things uh, is, A, being an American top team, that's going to be an advantage for him. When you look at the fact that who are the guys that stuffed all those Damian Maia takedowns? Well, Colby Covington stuffed them, and he's an ATT guy, and that was an ATT game plan. Well, Tyron Woodley stuffed them, and he was at ATT, and that was an ATT game plan. And George Masvidal didn't have quite as much success, but he did fucking good against Damian Maia too, stuffing him. I mean, you can roll around with Antonio Carlos Jr. who's at that gym and and get yourself ready with the Jets as well. There's just a ton of guys that you can work with and get ready. And here's a guy on his way up, no doubt. Every time we see him, we're a little more impressed and he's he's clearly moving up the rankings versus a 42-year-old Damian Maia. You're right. He might be able to still contend with those guys in the top 10. But that's all he's looking to do. He's gatekeeping. He's looking to gatekeep that top 10. Lyman Good's terrible in high insight, grand scheme of things. Not a very not at that level is what I should be saying. Uh, so, yes, him beating Lyman Good, not, not super surprised there. Him beating Tony Martin, even if he does take him down, he doesn't submit him, then the second round's got to start standing. And one thing that Martin does really well is he's, he's, he's got a good jab, and he's got a really slick, straight-down-the-pipe right hand. And I feel like both of those tools have given Damian Maia trouble over the past. He doesn't fight good from range. He's not a great striker. He'll get touched up. The Colby Covington fight's a great example. He fights very well in the first round. He's even outstriking Colby in the first round because he knows he can't get the takedown. That's all option B is, is just sling. But yeah, in rounds when he, two when he and can't three, get that single leg to start his chain to get to the, you know, to the grips once along. Once he can't get it, it's a problem. And yeah. in two and three, he falls right apart. But look back at the Rory McDonald fight. First round, he takes Rory down with a single leg. He mounts Rory. He At the end of the first round, Rory gets back up and hits him a little bit. But he wins that first round on the takedown the first round. Yep. Second and third, he can't get the takedown. And Rory, who's a long guy, he's not a straight killer. He's a long guy, plays from distance, and uses the jab and straight right down the pipe. And it's just, it, there are two simple weapons that he's just not able to adjust to. So whereas I really think that the dog, oh, and, and last thing on the cake, last thing on the cake, I forgot the last thing on the cake on the last fight was that Joseph Benavidez already fought for Amiga and he knocked him out, remember like three minutes? It's like, that's gotta be in the back of your head. I mean, $8,400, maybe because I finished. But 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 the last part on, on Martin versus Damian Maia is the fight's in Minnesota and Tony Martin's from Minnesota. So if this is a close fight, and it kind of looks like it could be a close fight. Who's to say he doesn't get two of the three rounds on the basis of, you know, we just watched uh, Contender Series, you and I were talking about that, Alton Cunningham. It's like, well, he's controlling the action with his grappling. Yeah, but he's wearing the damage and he got slightly outpointed and the judges went against him. This is a similar situation. If, if Maya <laughs> wins that first round, but in the second round, it's closer. The takedowns aren't coming as easy. He's eating punches on the way in. He's bleeding a little bit. He's starting to get a little bit tired. Oh, he gets a takedown. Do but there's really, only 90 seconds left, and it's close. They'll, they'll do give you it to really Rocco. think give it to that Rocco, that people will cheer for Rocco in Minnesota? Do people cheer for Rocco? Two in things. Places? Two things. Because, like, if, one, if that's the case, like, strike one, Minneapolis off of the list of places for Paul Shaughnessy to go I, to. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something, right? I'm out. It's not like Minnesota has a ton of UFC fighters, right? No, they so they've got to stick by their guys. And I think their guys are like Nick Lenz and himself. Yeah, why is However, outside of, yeah, I don't know. 
outside of Brock oh, Lesnar. Oh, Jacob Volkman was from Minnesota too, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. But perhaps, perhaps the most legendary fighter from all times from Minnesota, Brock Larson. Not Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Larson. Guy was a fucking beast. Beast. And they love him. Love him. And he's one of Tony Martin's coaches. So he'll be in the corner. And uh, I'm saying on a card that looks like a lot of chalk, who's going to shit in the apple pie? Gut feeling says it might be Maya. But when I when I watch the tape and I look at the actual matchup, it's like it doesn't favor Tony Martin. But it's one of those gut feelings that I would say. Remember I mentioned the fact that uh, Tanya Evinger, she should win this fight. But I guess there's a bad feeling there. And I said the same thing in Brian Barberena. I, said, I mean, like, like Damian like 42 Evinger years fight, old. He's... Just like the Avenger fight, something fucking feels off about yeah. he should He should win. Why is he not going to beat Randy Brown? But when you give up all the athletic advantages to your opponent, it's a fucking problem, man. Savvy veterans will get the win, but this guy's not some young prospect. He's fought in the UFC a dozen times it's now. True. He's getting rolling, so it could be a problem. Watch out for a potential dog. We got Roosevelt Roberts taking on Vince Pichel. Roosevelt Roberts, 8,900 minus 265 favorite. Pichel is 7,300 and a plus 225 we got. Well, I'd like to hear your thoughts from the simple basis that Vince Pichel at one time kind of was your boy. Started I, off when you beat Anthony I, and Jaquani. I really... <laughs> I didn't see that one I coming. I want to bet. I want to bet. In hindsight... I want to bet him here. In hindsight, not a sharp play. But at the time, it was like, damn, dog. Didn't see that one coming. Um, he was like... He was a big dog in that fight, too. Big dog. And then he, like, silly. shredded his bicep. Took, yeah. like, three years off. And, and they did him no favors for the most part upon him coming back to the UFC. But how good really is Vince Pichel? Or is this guy just extremely tough? And is tough enough to beat Roosevelt like Roberts, Swiss who Army, I actually He's like, like a Swiss Army knife. Kind he's of kind of guy. good at everything. But yeah, he's not fair. great at anything. Yeah, fair enough. He I, was once training out of... I'm not sold on this Roosevelt John Roberts McCarthy's yet, to be perfectly honest. Gym. I see a lot of hype out there. People talking a big game like this guy's some sort of world beater. Right. I don't know, man. He doesn't look... He's, he looks pretty average to me, and he's been doing it against pretty low-level competition. Um, his grappling is like his strong suit. Striking seems to need some work. Um... I don't know, man. Um, and, and honestly, maybe this is like if you listen to the guy, and like he's not a smart human being. Maybe he's fight smart. I haven't really quite seen that yet, but it doesn't really translate. But it's like he is not a very smart human being naturally. And could that fall make him fall into some traps? Maybe. Um, I don't know. Talk to me off the ledge because I'm probably going to bet Pichel cause, just because he's been so good to me over the years. That, that's that's ex- that's exactly what I wanted to say is that like I could see myself buying into Vince Pichel as well. And I figured you'd be the guy that would have the inside scoop because yeah, I don't like, really have an inside. scoop. No, but look, looking at it over, right? Everybody had him over Garrett Whiteley. You had him over Anthony and Jaquani, which is a good upset. And then he comes back from his uh, his break fights Damian Brown. Damian Brown's super tough. And you're on a whim like. Vince Michelle, and he knocks out Damian Brown. Like, this guy's got a massive amount of power. Wins his fight against Joachim Silva, kind of a closer fight. And then Gregor Gillespie, who's who's not been against exactly. Gregor Gillespie? Paul Shaughnessy. Never. So you've gotten every single one of Vince Michelle's fights correct. And I feel like, whereas I was once... We're at a crossroads here, I was once the Nina Ansaroff whisperer. Yeah. And then I picked Claudia, and now I'm not. Michelle. You are the... God, Whisper. A, lot of pro- a lot of pressure. I wasn't expecting this. As the page turns, Paul Shaughnessy, the Bichelle Whisper. He's 36 years old. 
He's got a fucking mangled bicep, which I guess didn't really seem to affect him because he knocked out Brown. He's, he's got the power. But like you said, in, in 2019 at 36 and not having one skill set that you're very good at, just being tough isn't quite enough. But, but Roosevelt Roberts at 25 years old, he's young, he's green, he's finished a lot of fights early, and Pichel's tough. If anything, get some rounds out of him. He could go out there and he could definitely put it on him. 225 is an outrageous price. And the price that he was against Anthony and Jaquani, oh, they don't got to... 225. Oh, boy. Two fucking 25 right, well. on the dot. It's a sign from the high Jesus that if you don't want to take Rocco Martin as a dog play, <laughs> you could also take Vince from Hell Pichel. Shout out to one of the, I think, one of the best nicknames in the sport. We're going to take some heat for that. Could be potential. Because there's a lot of Roosevelt Roberts uh, fanboys out there. Well, again, if we're talking about why would you want to take the less athletic athlete just on the basis of this guy's tough. I don't know. I, the, Vince, the is, price, Vince is a good athlete, a man. Pro- I, he's not exactly. He's tough. He's, he's tough. tough. He's in good shape. It's not like he's some like fat. No, he's, no, like, right. he's not you're like right. he doesn't have you're like right. Brian Barberina's body type. Like this guy will show up at the weigh-ins looking yeah. pretty jacked. Yeah, fuck yeah. He will. He's he not- will. Again, it's just that the sport seems to be a young man's game and the ability to like dart in, dart out. There's no doubt about it that the more athletic fighter in this situation is Roosevelt Roberts. Yeah. But he's unproven. He hasn't fought under the bright bright lights. And it's just a big price. Where you say there's a lot of love on Roosevelt, if Roosevelt opens at a good price and you hammer it, and that's where the love's coming from, absolutely. But to say you love him at 265, I don't think so. And at $8,900, eh, Pichel's a durable guy. So, yeah. I, Roosevelt went the full three in his last fight, and that was a much easier matchup. A much easier matchup. And, yeah, again, with Pichel, I think perennially he's a guy that has come through better when he's the underdog. When he's fighting Gregor Gillespie, it ain't going to happen. No. But this is a spot. It's not going to happen for anybody against Gregor. Yeah, yeah. The guy's, a, you know, he's a monster. And this is not the kind of matchup whatsoever. So I could see him putting it on him. Who knows? We got uh, Drew Dober taking on Polo Reyes. See, I I respect Polo Reyes. He he used to go by Marco Polo Reyes. We dropped the Marco. Fits nicely on my boards. It's all about my boards. That's really all it comes down to. How how upset would you be if he shaved that goatee part of his beard? I wish we had the picture. If he shaved that goatee part of his beard and had mutton chops, and then changed his name to Rocco <laughs> Polo Reyes, <laughs> he's out. He's... Then, then would he be mega cut? I'm calling. Oh, I shouldn't. No, I can't say that. <laughs> uh, we got Drew Dober, 9,500 minus 335 favorite. Polo Reyes, 6,700 plus 275. Drew Dober, 9,500. Like, good luck trying to discern any value back from that like uh, i guess polo reyes likes to brawl we've seen that happen before but uh, especially against uh, the other dun young kim where they just put on an absolute one of the most legendary fights of all time on one of the most legendary yeah. cards of all time yeah where and uh, is the very left, first left, very hook, first left hook larry closed the show but those boys opened the show and that was my favorite fight and that 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 fight no not a soul watched that fight i did and he got fight I well i mean wow you know yeah, I mean. Right, right right most people did not right. watch was that the fight curtain jerker on that the, was the, the fight that feeling. got fight of the night after that insane card one of the best cards of all time didn't he get fight of the year um, I don't know if it did because you know there's always Which title outlet. fights Which that outlet. end up yeah, getting yeah, I, that I you, get a little bit more push and I stuff, and people are voting for it. But yeah, it should have been. Fight. It was fight. It may be the best fight of all time. It's up there. Um, Drew Dober, ninety five hundred. New, no, thank you. Like, how, how do you pay up for that? Like, he's gonna have to score over a hundred points. He's not really a finisher. Polo Reyes, for what he lacks, is durable. 
uh, minus three thirty-five. Like I just, there's no value on 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 this at all. If I was to do anything, it would be to bet Paul Reyes. It's going to be a straight up pass for me. Um, I guess Dober is my, my pick, but it would be like a minus two hundred favorite if I was setting the line here. I think it's a little bit too much, but I don't have the balls to bet Polo Reyes um, and 9,500. No, thank you. Polo Reyes, frankly, at 6,700 could be like a, a dirty cash game play. If you're trying to save tons of tons of loot on your salary and just throw in a guy that you're like, hopefully I get three rounds of him. Maybe he gets like 30 points uh, and they get into a bit of stand up war and, and he survives, gets 30 points, maybe gets gifted the decision. But like, you know, if you're looking for, somebody at the bottom bottom barrel 6700 price like i could see the argument for putting him into your lineups but i want no part of 9500 drew dober what about you yeah well no i think about the matchup and i think drew dober favorite no doubt would i look at him as being a 335 favorite not quite but i completely agree that he should win this fight when i look at the 9500 9,500, that's a sales topper here, boys. Like, that's you, you're going to have to pay up big time for Drew Dober, who's coming in as an over three to one favorite. That's what you don't like about it. But as far as the matchup itself, like, Polo Reyes was tough, was super tough. That fight against uh, Lil Dong, legendary. Gets floored, gets up, shows some durability, showed a little bit of durability after that. But it's when, when you're fighting uh, Lil Dong, you know, the fake stun gun, you can get away with stuff. You could be sloppy. You can get open. You can have a fun brawl. And it was a fun brawl. And that's where a lot of this he's got durability comes from. But when he steps up to James Vick, he got fucking sparked. He got sparked in a minute. It was about a minute, I think. Just couldn't hang. Now James Vick, former pro boxer. He's long. He's rangy. He presents a lot of problems. But his last fight against Demir Hanzevic, it's the same thing. Here's a younger, athletic. I mean, look at Polo Race is 34 years old here. And he's been in some legendary wars. So now against a guy like Hadzevic, Hadzevic, not a great striker, but a better striker. He's faster. He's stronger. He's the younger, better fighter. And he knocks him out. Same thing. So with Drew Dober, Drew Dober's looking good, man. Three-fight winning streak broken in his last fight against Benil Dariush, where he gets armbarred. I thought that was his career best performance up until he got armbarred. He looked awesome. Striking's coming together. Now you look at where he's at. Colorado, Factory X Muay Thai, all these guys that are with him. You know who one of his top training partners is all the time, not just for this camp? Justin Gaethje. Who better to emulate Marco fucking Polo Reyes than Justin Gaethje? So I, I really feel like this is Drew Dober's fight to win, and it's Drew Dober's fight to look good in, too. You, you could knock this guy out in the first round and look good. If you don't knock him out in the first round, knock him out in the second round, or just do what you got to do. He's got some decision wins like the John Tuck fight, whatever. Go through the motions. But he's going to beat this guy up. But for $9,500, like those are certainties I would like to bang for 91 mm-hmm. 92 at absolute most. 89 would be my preferred price. Yeah, exactly. 95 like like... Everybody's, like the guys that you're skipping over, on the there's guys on the top here. Actually, there's a bunch of guys at the top I'm going to probably be avoiding. It seems like a mid-range kind of card to me on DraftKings. But yeah, um, there's one guy up uh, near the top that I I think is the lock button. But we'll get to them a little bit on. You had anything else to say about Dober there? No, the only thing I could say is that if you go on any like DK like projections and you can see Dober at, the, at a low projection on ownership... I could feel going him just to say he's low ownership and he could get that first round knockout. But if you're playing with your head here and you're playing by the numbers, it's just too high of a price tag. Not that we don't like him. Not that we don't think he's going to win. No. It's just you got to recognize it's not a good price tag. He scores 57 points per fight. <laughs> and now you're going to pay $9,500. I just, I, I can't get behind it. 
Exactly. We got uh, Alonzo Menafield taking on Paul Bearjew Craig. Menafield, 9,000 and a minus 300 favorite. Paul Bearjew Craig, 7,200 and plus 250. Now, see here, drop down 500 po- or $500. And what do you get? Alonzo Menafield, who. $500. Who go and an extra know. $500. And you have a guy who's going to go out there, is a much better athlete. He's going to be swinging for a first round knockout. Very likely gets it. The risk that you take is that he. Swings himself out, uh, gets super tired when you get to around two, three, and Bearju catches him in a uh, in a triangle with about yeah. like half a second left on the clock. These are the risks you take, but one takes up men of field nine thousand is a considerably better um, play than Drew Dober. Uh, Minus three hundred. All these guys are at like minus three hundred this week, and I think the That's the, problem the books the are picking the winner, and they're just. Going, we know that all these people are just going to be just hammering parlays and stuff. And if you put three of these guys together, they're willing you to roll the dice that one of the people are going to shit in the apple pie. Yeah, well, so listen, it's uh, like the laws of average. Which yeah. one of these guys are going to shit in the apple pie? If as a better, if you looked at a ticket and you said, "Oh, geez, man, I got a bunch of favorites. I got Francis Ngannou, I got Drew Dober, I got Alonzo Menafield." Even if you take Ngannou out of there because I like him, but oh, dude, I got Drew Dober, Alonzo Menafield, and Ricardo Ramos. <laughs> All three to ones. It's like, dude, I, I can almost guarantee you one of them motherfuckers is going to shit in the pot. I can almost guarantee it. That's how this stuff happens. And which one? And, and contender series. Say. Contender series is a prime example. Okay, week one. There's only four fights, and they're all massive favorites. And the guy who was nine to one shit in the fucking pot. Now last week or last night, I should say, but week two. Yep. There's five fights, and they're, they're all the they're pie. all massive favorites. But but one of them is going to shit in the apple pie. So you just got to figure out which guy it is, which is why we're trying to help you figure out. Which one of these big favorites I think, I think, is untrustworthy? I think Menafield knocks him out. But uh, Paul Craig has proven to be durable, and he is going to be in it to the end. We haven't, And Menafield has a history of first-round finishes. We don't really know how much about his gas tank, but the athleticism. like there's Everything is basically on Menafield's side except for jiu-jitsu. And I, I don't know yeah, which is if like Bear Jew has, like, the wrestling like the, to yeah, really take him high. down. It's it's not great, but it's all right. Like, he gets is guys good to enough the to ground. Get him down? It's worked for him in the past. Against Menafield? Yeah, okay. Menafield's undefeated. Like you said, he gets quick finishes. And do I see him going out there and beating Bear Jew Craig probably in the first round? I could see it. But here in lies the problem is that if he doesn't, and the people that haven't generally pay. Kennedy uh, Inzuku is a physical monster. And everybody's talking about this Nigerian, you know, the Nigerian trend. All these guys are smoking everybody. This guy's six and no. He's got all the physical gifts. He's super long. He's super rangy. Trains out of a good gym. He's going to smoke him. And he seems to be on his way to winning. But unfortunately, the submission. Ankalaev. Ankalaev is better than Paul Craig in absolutely every facet of MMA. But maybe just straight clean jiu-jitsu. I guess Baraju might be able to win a... A gi grappling match at an IBJJF tournament. Holy fuck, a triangle with one second left. Yeah. Like, like if the guy guys that have cost me money in this game, Paul Craig. But I like Paul Craig, so it's hard to say I'm not. I, I'm mad at the guy. I don't like the guy, and I'm super excited to watch him fight because it's generally a fun time. But there's no discrediting the fact that like, he, he, he could be the world's luckiest fighter. Brock Lesnar once famously proclaimed against Frank Mir. He had a horseshoe shoved up his ass, and tonight I pulled it out. Beat him over the head with it. That's what Menfield's going to try think, to do. That's what I think Menfield is going to do. Listen, dude, you've got some wins in the UFC. I'm not going to say they weren't deserved, 
but they were like a, a fraction of a second away from not happening at all. So are you going to bet a guy on the basis of he's going to get shellacked and then in the third round, maybe late, no. maybe late, throws up a fucking triangle choke and guys fall into it? Like, I I can't bet it. No. But the thing with Kennedy is Kennedy was 6-0, and and even though he's a better athlete and better in most areas, is that he was green, he was inexperienced, he was yet to lose. And his cardio turned out to be not great because he hadn't been tested like that. Mm -hmm. So when you look, you see a lot of similarities in Alonzo Menafield. Here's a guy that's undefeated. He's only 8-0, two more fights. And he's yet to taste defeat. And he's got a lot of first-round finishes. He's got a lot of second-round finishes. He's finished, guys. What's he going to look like in later waters? When when Bear Jew fought uh, Jim Crute, Jim Crute's like 22 years old. And he's extremely green. And he's raw. And it's a back-and-forth tilt. In fact, he takes down Jim Crude a couple times and has some spots in that fight where it's like, holy shit, he's got a chance to win. Ultimately doesn't get submitted, is what it is. But again, if he can make a dirty fight with Menafield and tire him out and take him into some deeper waters, maybe he exploits him. All I'm saying is Paul Craig is, if you were to look up in the dictionary, punt play. Gotta be a picture of this guy. If you're playing some crazy GPP and you're playing A lineup and you're going for that big tournament, Paul Craig is $7,200, and when this man comes through... They're late finishes. They're not those early finishes for 100 points, but he's got advantages in certain fights, and he can pull it off. I don't bet on Paul Craig. It no, ain't going to happen. I would, I would never. You can't bet on he might get him late. But is that a possibility in this particular fight? It could be a possibility. If you're looking for a pun play, like you said, if it's you're a playing, tough card if you're in a general to game, make money on gambling just because... Just because the all these minus three hundred favorites, like, which is why you're going to have to take a risk at some point. Yeah, like we were, you and I well, were talking I mean, about. No, you and I my, were talking my about heart the Iron set Man on contest. Vince. Fair, but we were talking about the Iron Man contest, and we talked about the fact that you got to score five hundred points to even be a factor. Yeah. So at some point, when you look at the big favorites, everybody's on the big favorites. Yeah. So which dog are you going to take? Now we don't like Junior, and, and we don't like Formiga. He's not going to score big on on Joby One and uh, a Anthony Martin. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, he could score big, but. It's Damian Maia. It's going to be tough. What, are you just going to jab this guy from distance for three rounds? Damian Maia, if he does get the I don't like that one either. You like this price saving on Vince Pichel. But is Vince Pichel going to knock out Roosevelt Roberts? I don't know. I think most, if he's going to win, he's going to grind him for three. And even though he'll score good for 73, he's not going to be that big play that's going to, that's going to win you the thing. Polo Reyes, decent play because he goes for it. But he's going to get sparked and score you no points. At least when you look at Paul Craig, he could get shellacked for three rounds and score some points. Or he could get you that win. He could get you that finish. He could be a good player for $7,200 that helps you break apart from the rest of the stagnant lineups. And uh, you got to set yourself apart a little bit. So I'm I guess. I'm not fully advocating a play on Paul Craig. I'm saying if you're going to take some risk, he's that risky play that could pay off and the price is good enough on him that would make him worth it. Not for me. So you think he gets finished in the first round? I think that's a very strong probability. I'm going to avoid Paul Craig in this spot. For the simple fact that I'm, I'm just done losing my money on Paul Craig. He has... I, I don't know if I'm going to bet that a field, to be honest. The minus 300 has me fair, a little scared. Fair, fair. So I'm saying dog, dog Paul, or pass. Small, small, very small dog action or pass. We move on. We got Ricardo Ramos taking on promotional newcomer Journey Newsom. Uh, Ricardo Ramos is 9,100 and a minus 335 favorite. Journey Newsom, 7,100 and plus 275. Who you got? Yeah, well, Newsom coming in short notice. Hard to really see like uh, anything bonafide on him. He doesn't have a ton out there. He's got a bit of a pro boxing record. And uh, as far as his MMA career goes, I think he's like 
nine and one, uh, still green. There's not a ton of tape that's available on him, but he seems like a pretty athletic guy. Good mix between striking, submissions, got some submission wins. When I look at his record in terms of notable opponents, he's fought this Chris San Jose. Don't even know if that's a real name. That had five that and had zero, a decent record. Yeah, who was five and zero, and then the other time he fought a guy that was five and zero was Benito Lopez. Who ended up making the UFC and ended up being pretty good in the first round. And got fucking dusted three minutes in the first round. So the one time that he stepped up at this level, that was the one time he suffered his loss. Besides that, he's been fighting uh, less than stellar opposition. This is a guy that totally I would love to take the time to break down his fight as he was fighting on a Tuesday night contender series. I feel like that's where he's at. But they need a guy short notice, and they bring him in for Ricardo Ramos. Ramos is a poor man's Charles Oliveira. And where he leaves himself open in spots, like the skills there. He's got a nasty ground game. He's, he's just a, young. He's maybe, a, maybe he can yeah, get there. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Charles Oliveira was once young and made a lot of mistakes. And as he's grown and he's gotten better, it, that frame is the frame. Like being long and lanky, and but you got to be able to wrestle a little bit. And just being able to use that leverage over strength, striking's there. You can strike at distance. Muay Thai's there. The elbows are flush. The, the knees come high. Like, it's just a good style to have. Again, he is young, but I do feel like he's getting there. Uh, his last fight, you see the clear holes in his game. But uh, when I look at how he matches up in this spot, I just feel like he has the advantage of standing. He has the advantages on the ground. Young, developing, has got the feeling of going rounds, getting in that, that UFC uh, experience under his belt. This should be his time. They wanted to sign this guy when he was young on that, like, uh, was it Dana White looking for a fight? And he ends up losing that like fight. I think it was on LFA. Ends up losing the fight that they came to scout him for. But they gave this kid a couple more years to mature. He did. Comes to the UFC. One thing I don't like about him is he tends to fade. He tends to kind of like gas out as time goes. And when I look at an opponent that I don't know a ton about this journey Newson, he could have a great gas tank. And that might be all you need. Um, if you're not if you're not the most talented of opponent, but you're in great shape and you're ready to roll, then you can pose problems for guys. And I think in 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 law in uh, sorry in Ramos's case, similar to a young Charles Oliveira, he wastes a lot of energy throwing the elbows. Throwing that's the why knees, we kind of liked him when he shit. first showed up. It was that reckless abandon that he kind of fought with. That's just like he looks that's, like a GPP that's why you monster. Bet these guys. But even if I with Eamon's a hobby, I remember he throws. I'll never forget it. He throws the spinning back fist like half a dozen times, but he throws it and he's up against the cage. And then now he's like pinned. He's lost. He won the first round. He is. I thought he lost the second. Like he, he, the momentum swinging. He throws the spinning back elbow. It misses. And then like two seconds later, he just throws it again. Cracks him. Knocks him out. It's like oh my god. But you could see that the wheels were starting to fall off. His next fight uh, with Mister Perfect. It's like tough, strong guys that are able to take him down and maybe hold him, or guys that are just you know they can take his best punch. The one issue with those tall, lang- long, gangly guys like a John the Jones. Takedown like, defense is usually pretty. Yeah, and they don't got yeah. one punch power. They're not John Lineker. They're not Jeremy Stevens. They're, I need to beat you up over a prolonged period of time. Nick Diaz is not a one like punch. Ma- Max Holloway is a champion with a skinny, a tall, skinny frame. Yes, and so is John Jones. And I, I'm and saying. Death by a thousand cuts. Nick and Nate Diaz. Like, it's, yeah. I'm going to punch you a thousand times, and over a prolonged beating, you're going to feel it. It's not just like that one punch power. So. I don't know. I don't know. I would say Ramos takes this one. It's just when you have 335 over that unknown. Listen, you got a short nose replacement who shouldn't be in the UFC. Stepping up to take a decent prospect who's certainly growing. Most definitely, again, most definitely favorite. If I'm setting this line, 250, 275. 
the 335, it's like you got to get on the line when it opens. And unfortunately, we do this show on Wednesday because well, we have you, to because yeah. we've got to wait for the DK lines. And if you don't get on Openers it, it's not, are it's pretty, just not pretty limited, too. You're not able to bet big money on them either. Fair, fair. So uh, I would like to say this is another pass on the simple basis of why would you just randomly like you're you're going in blind. Oh, yeah, it's it's a pass. Yeah, but but Ramos has shown some for the eighty four hundred dollars. I, I, I would have some shit. It's not 84, it's 91. Oh, that's where we fucked up. I no, thought no, that it's was on the off. board. I thought That's yeah, why I looked at yeah. the board. I noticed you looking at the board and I saw the and price and I was like, you, you, you probably it. saw you, me scratching this out too. No, that but I didn't If notice. I do that in the that future. That I did notice. The 9100, yeah, yeah, completely justified. Because he could go out there and get the quick finish. He's got quick finishes on his record when he fights guys at this level and he's young, exciting, and a three to one favorite over a short nose replacement. Totally understand it. $9,100, uh, I'll just be it's going. justified. I'll be going elsewhere myself uh um, well, where else are you gonna go we'll talk about it at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna yeah, get there yeah, we're, we're gonna there. get there. there's so there many way. fights on this card we have uh, eric anders taking on vincius morera anders 94 and a minus 345 favorite morera is 6800 and plus 285 um talk about a guy who let me down uh, yeah eric anders isn't his your name Eric Ya Boy Anders? And there yeah, was a time not, where he was not like, Ya Boy anymore. It's hard to get it? into the category of my boy. I'd say a lot of people are my boy. I mean, but they're all OG legends. Whereas in his case, he was getting into that category, and then Marrera looks look looks fucking terrible. Well, his but, ground game is okay, but holy fuck, is his stand up? It's really ever. bad. But like Anders has fought kind of to his opponent's style so many times at this point like kind of letting Machida fight that style of fight that he did kind of just like staying at range like that's how he ends up losing a, a split decision in Brazil and he went to the third round against uh, Tim Williams and like that was a fight that he was kind of set up that he was supposed to absolutely smash him early on like i don't know if the guy's got first round finishing capabilities so nine already minus 345 this is a trend on this card these lines are too much for me it's like i don't want to i'm i'm gonna be treading very lightly to be perfectly honest like marrera needs to get a submission so like from what i can really see uh, anders has shown over the past to be able to take an absurd amount of damage and is it going to start adding up at some point? Maybe, but because like I don't think this Vince guy can Mar- take an absurd amount of damage. Yeah, and I don't think Vince is Marrero. So it's like if you're going to bet him, you take you take this submission prop and you hope to get lucky, if anything. Um, it's a submission prop on the dog or pass type of situation for me. 9,400s, like Anders just hasn't proven to me that he's a first-round finisher, and that's what he's going to need to do. He's going to have to go across and just put this guy out immediately. This is the type of opponent that, in theory, an athlete of Eric Anders, who is a uh, a national champion for Alabama and so on and so forth, uh, Alabama football, the that football is. football credentials are there, but this is not a fucking football game. So in a football game. Um, yeah, 9,400, it's another stay-away guy up top for me, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I want no part of this. Yeah, Eric Anders is perhaps the most frustrating MMA fighter I'm not going to say of all times because there's just been a lot of frustrating MMA fights. Uh, but like Scoggins. Dude, yeah. Well, in, in Scoggins' case, it's like it's all there, man. Fucking guy's got it all. Like, so what's the problem? And Andrew's case is like the same thing. He's a freak athlete who has good cardio and a hell of a fucking chin and good power and decent wrestling. Like, where is he not? The thing is, Paul, he's made absolutely – this shouldn't sound harsh. 
He's made absolutely no improvements from fight to fight. He really hasn't. And that's real troublesome when you're, A, a fairly young fighter, especially young in the game, and B, a freak athlete. Like, you should be picking up skills. You should be picking up shit. There's nothing from fight to fight. The Tim Williams fight, it goes three rounds, right? It goes three rounds. And at the end of the third, he ends up knocking him out with that, like, borderline illegal head kick. But he knocks Tim Williams out. But it was a fight that a lot of people had Anders bet, myself included, at a big price. And he, he didn't, didn't really do anything. He won. But he was kind of hesitant. Now he fights Leoto Machida. I got him bet here, too. People say he won. He did not win. He didn't throw anything against Leona Machida. So it wasn't as if he learned anything from the Tim Williams fight. He just did the same fucking thing. In fact, he hurts Machida a couple times and no sense of urgency. Doesn't get on him. No killer instinct. Loses the fight, rightfully so. But then he fights Elias Theodoro. No, nothing has changed. He, do, he does the exact same fucking thing, Paul. He stands there and allows Elias to do what Elias likes to do, which is dance around and throw those kicks. And he he hurts Elias. He does not follow him. He does not pounce on him. There's no killer instinct. And again, he loses. Some people thought he won. He didn't. He loses a decision. So now the Roundtree fight's like, all right, Roundtree's going to make this a fight. So Anders is going to at least be forced to fight back. He allows Roundtree to completely fucking tee off on him. He could not match punch for punch with this guy. He's getting hurt left, right, and center. I'm sure that did take it out of him. But now you got a guy that was once a highly touted prospect here. He headlined shows for you. He went to Brazil and headlined against Lyoto Machida. You had high hopes for this guy. Made zero improvements. And now he's taking this fight on it's short notice, but mm-hmm. he got the call in like May. But he's up a weight class. He's moving up to 205 pounds. And I've always said... 85 to 205 is a real jump. It's 20 pounds. It's not 25 to 35. It'd be the it'd be the equivalent of jumping two weight classes if you were a little guy. 85 to 205. It's a big jump. He's on short notice, big jump. And when they ask him about the three-fight losing streak and the improvements, you know what he says? Boys, I'm back. I got a sports psychiatrist. Trust me. It's like, fuck, man. It's hard. It's hard to trust you when I look at the price tag and I see you as an overwhelming favorite. That's what's tough about this. Yeah, he should win, but it's just like this. He he should win, but he fucking always should win. When you look at him on paper, how the fuck is he going to lose? But then he does. So when I look at this fight, it's no different. He's really strong, and he's going to stuff the takedown, and it's going to be a stand-up battle, and he's fighting a Brazilian punching bag in terms of stand-up. The thing is, if he just went in through 20, 30 punches in the first or second third round, he'd finish him. But he might just fucking stand there and goof around again. And, like, he doesn't goof around. There's certain guys that dance around and don't throw. He doesn't dance around. He literally just stands there. It's very fresh. He's like a Sam Alvey. Only Alvey eventually lands the kill shot, whereas Anders will just let the moment fly him by. And it's crazy because he's three times the athletic prowess that Sam Alvey is. He just doesn't use those gifts that he's got. It's tough. I almost thought after the Khalil Roundtree fight, he's going to pack it up. Like, you're not fighting at an elite level. You ain't getting any younger. And you just took a big time beating by Khalil Roundtree in a fight you were supposed to win over a guy who looks to have a limited, although exciting, ceiling in the UFC. To come back on short notice against an upper weight class, it's all stuff that's dangerous. But he looks to be better than this guy. And if you look at him against Marcus Perez or him versus Brandon Allen in LFA, if in terms of like him just scoring takedowns and ending up on top, he'll be fine. I don't see this guy submitting him. I don't see this guy taking him down. I see it being a striking battle. And he's got all the tools to win a striking battle. Is he going to use those tools 
Your guess is as good as mine. When, but when I'm looking at favorites to fade, this didn't jump out as one of them. So I'm going to take Anders. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's Eric Anders. And, and he's the price really, is minus 335 or 345. Yeah. Like he's, he's not your boy no more, but a good convincing win would at least put him back on the right path towards doing that. Clearly, the UFC likes him. They've kept him around. Prove it, you know, at least like show them some return. Off to featherweight division we go. We've got Jordan Griffin taking on Vince Murdoch. Uh, we got Jordan Griffin as a minus 380 favorite taking on uh, Murdoch plus 315, 93 and 69. Nice, uh, respectively. We got, yeah, I mean, I really truthfully never believed that I would ever see the day that Vince Murdoch, Vince Murdoch always does that. I don't know why. The shocker? Always, all That's of his weird. pictures, he's throwing up the shocker. I've, I've had him on Facebook for like five years, okay. but it's like he's been like a lifelong dedicated practitioner to the shocker. He's like a little Cody Garbrandt. He's Actually, about that life. Looks pretty similar. Originally, Michigan top team guy. He has spent a lot of time at Alpha Male. Mm-hmm. So a lot of time, people will just say, you know, Alpha Males, uh, Vince Murdoch, but he, he was more of a Michigan top team guy back in the day. I, I've seen this guy fight a number of times, and. He's not. There was a time where UFC caliber was a thing. It's not a thing anymore. So maybe by that standard, Vince Murdoch should be here. But just to go through the quick history of what I know of Vince Murdoch, Vince Murdoch hit my radar in 2015, early 2015. He fought for Hard Knocks. Remember Hard Knocks in Alberta? He fought Jesse Arnett. He got choked out in the second round. Jesse Arnett was the superior fighter than Vince Murdoch. Vince Murdoch then fought a guy Jesse that Jesse Arnett should have gotten a, a very UFC tough opportunity. Yeah, yeah, With all these yeah, Canadian yeah. cards, like there's one coming up in Vancouver. Hopefully he gets on it. I would hope so, but he just got knocked out by Josh Hill. So, like, that True. that dream's fucking I didn't over. actually know that he had... But hopefully Josh someone. Hill gets... Yeah, no, it's long overdue. He was, like, 34 by the time he got finally caught. He was, like, a nine-fight winning streak. Mm. Arnett's a very tough guy. Arnett buzzsaws right through him, but you know what? He is a tough guy. He wins his next fight over Rick Ogden, who was 0-3, local Michigan fighter, and whatever, doesn't mean anything. But then he fought TJ Laramie. He fought TJ Laramie at home in Michigan. It's a split-decision win for Vince Murdoch. The place almost fucking rioted. I watched the fight myself. It is an egregious robbery, and the local Michigan fans boo him and disagree with the decision to show you how bad it was. Yeah. Laramie was 19 years old and it was his first pro loss. Okay. He rebounds from, or he goes from that and he loses to Jeremiah Labiano, who we just saw lose to James Gallagher. Actually, a really tough guy. No disrespect to any, no disrespect to any of these guys. I just mean he's, he's losing these fights. And this is where it gets interesting, Paul. After losing to Labiano, he wins a fight over three and four opponent. And then he also wins over a, he goes to Super Fight League in India. Now, in the Super Fight League fight, he's taking on a 2-2 two and two opponent named Krishan Rawat. And what happens is Rawat hits him and opens up a cut over the eye. And the ref, the doctor, looks at the, the cut and realizes, holy fuck, I'm a Super Fight League doctor in India. I, I have not seen cuts before. Calls it off. So he loses the fight by TKO. Fuck, is he pissy. He, mad, man. Real mad. Real mad. Fuck Super Fight League. Super Fight League says, you know what? We're sorry. Come back, we'll give you another fight. Comes back, like, dude, short time later. It's like three weeks later. The cut hasn't even healed. So I'm thinking this is a screw job. The cut's just going to reopen. They're just going to stop it again. Then he takes on, a, 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 again, a bad local fighter by the name of Vakas Dahia. And he got Say kicked. That 10 times fast. He got kicked in the balls like two or three times, unable to continue. The ref says, you're faking it and gives the win to the, the other opponent. So on SureDog, they have him listed as losing both of those fights. 
Tapology, for whatever reason, rectified the cut one as a no contest and gave him the win on the low blows. But they even have it listed as win via groin strikes, which makes no sense if you think about it. Yeah. But, it, but Vince Murdoch now goes on social media and says, it's over. My record just got fucking tarnished. I was 10 in. I was 10 and 3 when I got there. Now I'm 10 and 5 on a two fight losing streak. UFC's not going to come calling, but they get a, a win over a guy that's 7 and 5, and we need a short notice replacement. Up a weight class, Vince Murdoch gets the call. I did not see him getting it. And then when I heard he got the call, I am all over fading him. But now that I see the price, don't fade him. If anything, he has the tools to potentially win this fight. As much as I do not like Vince Murdoch, he's a short, stocky wrestler. Nothing to lose in this fight. It's his UFC debut. It's short notice. He's going to get another fight after this, down to weight class, and he's going to bring it to Griffin. And Griffin... Griffin looked okay against Ige, and we've seen how good Ige's been. I completely agree. Griffin looked good against Ige. Griffin's the bigger guy, and he's at the full camp, but, but he is preferably wants to strike or wants to use his submissions from a top game position. Mm-hmm. He does not want to, like the Ige fight, spend his time on in his grappling back. transitions on his back up against the cage. That That's not where he wants to spend the fight. And that's where Murdoch's going to try to get him. I don't think Murdoch's very good. Jordan Griffin wins. 380. Ah, oh, fuck, man. I I don't know what's wrong with me lately, Paul. I just don't got the balls I used to. You know why it is? I got to pick three favorites on this card to parlay together. Just to get even money back, yeah. Yeah, and when I'm looking at it, it's like they've all got a potential to lose. This is fighting. Everybody's got potential to lose. But it's like I don't like betting against the guys. It's like his opponent, even though he's short notice, even though he's up weight class, even though I don't think he's very good, he's got the type of game plan where he could pre- present problems. But no, I, I, I got Jordan Griffin here. I think Griffin gets the win. I don't like the price, but on what fight on this card – Outside of potentially Joseph Benavidez, have I really liked the price? No, not many. We got Jared Gordon taking on Dan Moret. Jared Gordon, 9,200 on DraftKings, minus 325. Favorite Dan Moret is 7,000 and plus 265. Here's the, here's the DraftKings. Up top this is the DraftKings lock, Cody. Ooh. Jared Gordon, everyone's favorite DFS darling. This guy's scoring, the guy's scoring like 140, 130. Absolutely crushes it. Gets knocked out twice against considerably better opponents than Dan Moret. Dan Moret has never knocked a person out in his entire career. He's got a couple submission wins. Most of his fights go to decision. Never, ever has he knocked a single soul out. a grinder. That's a good little sign for Jared Gordon, whose style is get right up in your face, push you up against the cage, he'll get takedowns, and he just puts a pace. And he's got that, like, uh, it's, it's the Alexander Volkanovsky style. Volkanovski's proven to have a quite a bit more of a chin and ability to take damage. I think Jared Gordon is the potential slate breaker on this card. Um, he's the guy, and I'm hoping that other people are going to be. Oh, this guy's got knocked out in his last two fights. Even in that one in the loss against uh, Silva, he scored 90 points. And he got knocked out in round Oof. three. Yeah. So it's just like his style. Is is the one? He's the one guy in this car. I think that could potentially. It's like if you don't have Jared Gordon, then you're not winning any of the money because he can put up 150 points. And I'm hoping that people are a little bit scared off, just because they're like, "Wow, he can't take a punch. He can't take a punch against anybody." It's just like I'm willing to risk, based on what I've watched from Damaret and obviously his record. It's just like the guy doesn't have that kill shot. So 
Jared Gordon's going to Jared Gordon. I hope. Hopefully they don't have coaches in his mind changing all of his game plan and stuff because that that could hurt if he just comes out and tries to play like a a counter-striking game or something here. But I'm hoping the old Jared Gordon shows up again. He gets right into that pocket. He pushes him forward. He gets greasy. He gets up against the cage. He takes him down. He just slams, slams, slams. Maybe he gets a finish, but even if he goes all the way to decision, um, this guy, when he goes to decision, he actually scores more than if he then he finishes guys typically because when he goes those three rounds, there's just so much more, uh, you know, takedowns and, and significant strikes just pile up. So uh, if I'm paying for anybody at the top of the board here, it is Jared Gordon. It's not even close. I know. So Jared Gordon, my boy. Fuck you, Eric Anders. Jared Gordon, my boy. Even though he got sparked silly his last two fights, cost me some money. Good money both times. Jared Gordon fights like he doesn't leave anything on the table. He goes for it. As If you want to play a guy in a GPP, he's going to go for it. You want to play a guy in a straight money line? Does this guy make a lot of bad choices? Yes. Is there any quit in him? No. If he had a cast iron chin, if he had Court McGee's chin and his style, if he had John Lineker's chin and his style, it's going to be a fucking reckon with. Mm-hmm. His ground game's good, right? He's a, He was a John Danaher brown belt. I think he's since left there because he's now he's in Milwaukee now. He's at Rufus Sport. So, so he's not with Danaher anymore, yeah. But, and I want to say he got his black belt. I don't know under whom. But anyways, his grappling's good. His striking, even though he's not uh, a one one big punch or not like a refined striker, like the ability to just pile it on people, he breaks their wills. He died of like a meth overdose or a heroin overdose. He's come back to the life, which is like a reinvigorated purpose, man. This guy does not stop. He goes for it. The problem is, is that you, when you get caught and you can't take that punch with that style, it, it becomes a problem. If you can't take that damage, well, it's good. But, but like you said, it's Dan Moret. And what I'm thinking is two-fight losing streak. God knocked down both those fights. Question marks over his chin. I'm going to get a good price on him, man. Like, there's going to fade him. But, like, it's 325. And you're like, fuck. People are on the exact same page. I still like him, Moret, still like him better at that price than a bunch knockouts. of these other guys, to be perfectly When honest. I said, who are the three guys that I would look to? There's a guy that I like. There's a guy that I like, even though Jordan Griffin hasn't been spark silly. Why would you take? It's all about where do I think that the fight's going to end up? How do I think the fight's going to play out? And Dan Moret's a good grinder. Got good size for the division. At least had good size for the division. He's moved up to a division. He's an MMA lab guy, so we know he's well-rounded. He likes to wrestle a little bit. He has okay submissions. But realistically speaking, he gives up the advantage almost everywhere, other than he's got a little bit of length on Jared Gordon. But Jared Gordon marches forward, beats these guys up, pressures them, and uh, there's a good story there. There's something to be gained from Jared Gordon. I feel like he's going to get back on the winning track here. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think the fact that he could score, he scored almost 100 points in a losing effort in which he was stopped. And he yeah. made it a decision. He could have scored 100 points in a losing effort. I think he was like only, like he actually returned like 10x value in a loss, in a third round stoppage loss. In a third round like stoppage unheard loss. Unheard of. And he looked great the first bit. And he, I've never seen Jared Gordon get tired ever. But in his last fight... Yeah, I think it was fight, the damage, really. I, I think it was the damage, too. And yeah. so, but but even though Joaquin Silva is not on anybody's map or radar, guy's a banger. Guy's a banger. And he clipped him. And mm-hmm. he hurt him. They, they both hurt each other. For Only sure. as it progressed, Jared Gordon never stops. And the damage is starting to weather in with the fatigue. Like, I, I don't know. It was a bad situation. I think he'll get back on track. I agree. I think he's a guy that typically scores big. And because I think he get back gets back on track, he should get... Back to scoring big. Um, play me some Jared Gordon. 
Uh, Emily Whitmire takes on Amanda Rebus. Uh, Whitmire is 8,500 minus 170 favorite. Rebus is 7,700 plus 150. Rebus was like signed like two years ago. Three years Supposed ago. to take on Juliana Lima. And then she popped for Osterine. Um, but all of these other fighters recently, like Shukashan O'Malley, a whole bunch Tons of them, all got their suspensions lifted yeah. for Osterine. So there's like just tons of, I don't know, whatever they're using. Near their 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 weight smasher five thousand the, the whatever protein powder I don't know what they're using but I don't uh, she may have really just got screwed by Usada and they just stole two years of her life that she's not she wasn't able to go out there and compete uh, watching a little bit yeah. of tape on her I from two years ago I'm not impressed from three years ago she was, so, yeah the suspension was two years. And then she hadn't fought for a year before the UFC signed. Yeah. It was like a three-year gap. I mean, I, I wasn't Off. very impressed. Like, Off. her grappling looked very, very, like, shabby. She's making tons of mistakes wow. and stuff. Just, um, you can tell she's young. She's, like, 21 Yeah, both, the of these, both of these girls are pretty inexperienced. But, like, Whitmire has been under the bright light. She's taken on a considerable, considerably better opponents over her career. And she had a, be- a career best performance last time out. So, I don't see why. I would even consider Rebus here. Um, it, it's one of those things. Maybe maybe the girl's been in the gym and she's made tons of improvements and people close to the scene, maybe maybe you know her, maybe she trains near your gym or whatever. Um, maybe maybe you know that, oh, this is a totally different girl than you saw three years ago. It's possible. That's but the one question. That's the one, that's question, the one mark question mark that I have. But otherwise, it's uh, Emily Whitmire. Um, I don't know how much I love the 85 Looks like I could see this becoming very scramble heavy. So, and I could see this being a pretty low owned fight. It's possible um, that she finds her way into some of my uh, builds. But I, I, from what I've seen on tape, I want nothing to do with Rebus, at least. What about you? Yeah, I think you got to go Whitmire. Uh, just on the basis of this is a girl that's fighting, she's a lot more active. What you've seen on tape, she's got all the advantages better wrestler, better striker, better cardio, better submission game. She seems to be better all around. She's got actual UFC experience where she was on the Ultimate Fighter. She's fought girls like Roxanne Modafferi. Comes to the UFC. I think she's two and one officially in the UFC. Like she's experienced bright lights. She's getting some momentum going. She uh she picks up that win over uh what's her name? Little meatball girl. Hold up. Oh, I shouldn't have called her little meatball girl. That was Molly McCann. Mean. Molly McCann. No, 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 no. Uh Jamie Moore. She beats Jamie Moore. Have you seen Jamie Moore? She looks yeah. like a, a squirrel hiding nuts in her cheeks. I'm sure she's a very nice girl, but she defeats Jamie Moore, and then she's like, fuck you, Vinny. Vinny Magalesh. She's like, Vinny fucking told me he couldn't come to the fight. And then he's cornering her. Like, she's fired up. And she's full-time in Vegas. Like, she's made the move. She's This is all this girl does. She was at Extreme Couture. I think she's at Syndicate now. Then the fight with Albu, that's where I overlooked her. I'm kind of on this girl. I'm thinking, like, geez, she's really young. When she fought Roxanne Montefiore, she was one and one as a pro. Had beat a girl on the show, Alicia Marks or something. Had, uh, had won the one fight on the show. And then you're fighting Roxanne Montefiore with a one and one pro record. Yeah. And Roxanne Montefiore at the time... Would have been like 19 and 12, fought all over Japan, all fought, over the fought, world fought Strike Force, like fought. Kind of a pioneer in the sport, really. Is, a, is a, just an absolute gangster. That's what you do at one and one. But, anyways, where I overlooked her is her against uh, Alexandra Albu. Like, Albu's really strong. And whereas sometimes I fall in love with that, the women's level, like, a, like Justine Quiche, oh, she'll get through the it. The athleticism. She's so, she's so much stronger. She'll just get through it. That becomes a problem when you take on finesse grapplers. We're powering through it, muscling through it, strength through it. 
that gets you caught. And Albu, same thing, dude. She gets caught in that rear naked choke like a minute in. But not only that, she got straight plowed to the ground before that. Like, Whitmire's fast. Whitmire's got some decent hold to her. She's got some decent wrestling chops. I don't mind her. What I saw from Ribas, Whitmire's going to eat her up. But three years is a long time, man. That's a long time. I don't know where she's been at. I don't know where she's training. To say that she's going to be the same fighter that was gone it would be crazy. I think that there's a there's a definitely potential for a spoil here. But 170 on a card that this, this is the last favorites we talked about. 325, 380, 345, mm. 335, 300, 335, 265. You're going to be forced to play the Joseph Benavidez. You're going to be forced to play the Emily Whitmires because th- those are the real value picks here. She's I the agree. deservedly favorite. She should be the favorite. There's no reason to not believe she's the favorite. And she's minus 170. And the, and the line's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. The 85... It's like it's it's right in that mid mid range, you know. It's not low eight thousand. It's not high eight thousand. It's eighty five hundred. If you're building a, a mid range card and you're using a lot of those middle plays, maybe she fits in. And by the way, she's got quick submissions in the UFC. She's got a couple. She, yeah, maybe she's the girl that nobody even. She bothers was that girl to. last card. She was uh, against Albu. Everyone was on Albu because the athleticism. Nobody plays advantage. Here. Nobody bothers. She was even like eleven percent owned. Study. She comes out. She takes down her opponent immediately. Gets a bunch of uh, transitions, everything like that. Seals up a submission, game, set, match. And she was 100% the the key to winning the big GPPs last week. And then or going, last time she fought. Yeah, and going back to last week's card when we talked about uh, Kondo versus Ashley Yodder. And it was just like, oh man, who fucking cares? But I said, th- th- it could be an important fight in the grand scheme of, here's an $8,400 play in Yodder that uh, all the advantages are there. It's a grappler versus a kickboxer. Low-level women's MMA. The grappler's probably going to have her way here, take her down and dominate her, and that's exactly what she does. Takes her down and dominates her. This could be a similar spot. She is the favorite, $8,500. There's at least an opportunity to get a quick finish out of it. Maybe it's worth having a look. What I've noticed, what I've noticed is that with Dana White's Contender Series being on the Tuesday, people are now, have added an extra five fights to their slate. So now they're trying to research those five fights. Now this card has three fights, not canceled, Switched opponents. Mm-hmm. So now you're redoing tape study. Shit like Whitmire Ribbis is the first thing to fucking go. It really is. Because what you think is, oh, geez, Ribbis, that was that girl that was on steroids that took a three-year suspension. Uh, big question mark. Whitmire, ah, she's got no experience. She's got a lowly record here. Uh, pass. But it's like, those are the fights that sometimes possess the value. Yep. Uh, we got Maurice Green, 8,200 minus 110 across the board. He is taking on... Junior Albinus, obviously a pick them between the two of them. 8,200, 8,000. Who you got? Uh, okay, yeah. Pick them for sure. I mean, we're talking about guys. Greasy theory. Ga- ga- Which, <laughs> what is Maurice Green looking at? I don't know if it's you or if it's at Rick. But he's <laughs> looking at fucking something. Maurice Green, I'll give him one thing. When he's on the Ultimate Fighter, he was a legit crazy person. He's yeah. drinking. Smoking cigs. He's smoking. When this guy gets out of shape, woof. And I get he's like six foot seven, but it like... It's like the difference between Charles Barkley when he was starting and Charles Barkley sitting on the panel. Like, he really gets out of shape. But Factory X Muay Thai guys, man, they get the, get these guys in shape. They're training at altitude. He's training with good guys. He's getting ready. He's got another big boy in that camp, Jeremy Oshie, in front of mine. Super good dude. And a very good fighter as well. Had some personal issues that kind of sidelined him. But anyways, he's training with the right guys, big bodies. I do feel like he's getting better. He is limited. 
I don't see this guy getting to the higher levels, but he was a kickboxer prior to coming to MMA. And what I've noticed is that being this big, tall guy, if you've got good wrestling, you'll toss him to the ground. But he's got an active guard. He throws lots of elbows from his back. He'll throw up triangles like we saw in the fight with Michael Batista. He doesn't mind trying to submit guys because he's got that long range in his. When he gets back up, he's got to stay from the outside and throw punches. His last fight with Jeff Hughes, bad. Oof. Bad. It was a bad fight. But he did the things that he needed to do. I played Jeff Hughes. I'm guilty of that. I think a lot of play guys played Jeff Hughes. Jeff Hughes already beat him in LFA, right? But it's like Hughes couldn't get off on him because you go to get anywhere near the fucking guy and he, he can hit you. If you commit to taking him down, you got to work for it. You eat elbows. He's, I don't want to say he's a dirty fighter. He's not a dirty fighter. He just he fights with that dirty mentality where it's like elbows and knees. If they become available, he makes you work. Then you get tired. Then you can't take him out. So what does the fight become? A classic heavyweight, if it's not an early finish, three rounds of both guys tired. And who does that favor? The guy who's six foot seven stands on the outside and has a, an intelligent jab. And that's kind of how, again, limited, but that's how he wins fights. And that's how he's going to win fights. And with Junior Albini, I think Albini's a better fighter. But Albini's fallen into that Eric Anders category where he's just untrustworthy, man. He's, man, had, when he, he's when... had all the physical advantages to win his last number of fights. And the 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 uh, sorry Arlovsky fight that was the one that started it off. He shows up in a motherfucking diaper, Paul, a motherfucking diaper, and shits the bed. And then shits the bed, and it's just it's been shit ever since then. Alexei Olenek, the was, Olenek one was, was like was that was like up, you can never bet this guy ever was, again. When he's he did standing that. up when he puts that fucking choke on, That's, he does that to everybody. Yes, but and he, then he but he's and then he guys. baits you, he baits you into taking you you down because you're like, oh, I'm just gonna uh, take him down. This will break. It's just like no, it's just like you hook, fell into the trap. Hook line. How did sinker. you not watch? How did you not watch tape on your opponent? Because like just, we all know what he just flopped right over. Olenek, you just don't let Olenek touch your neck. That is the game plan against Olenek. Don't let that guy touch your neck at any time. No, no. And then when he fights Rosinho, it's like, okay, dude, he's not going to touch your neck with no chokes. <laughs> I'm very sure of that. But he's just, he's going to bang. So you got to go in the game plan of taking this guy down, slowing him down. And he, he's in the first round, he's kind of able to. He's able you know? to take him down, but he wasn't able to do anything he's with it. He's able to take him down, but then you realize, like, well, what has he got on the ground? Nothing. Nothing really. He had previously lost to Alberto Uda, like, way back in the day. But Uda's a fucking 185-er. Is that that always retired? Me. I haven't seen him in forever. <laughs> he was, had a couple fun fights. He had a decent yeah, record in yeah, the UFC. Yeah. Like, nah, he didn't have a great record in the UFC. But some fun fights. Him versus Anthony Smith. Go back and watch that. Crazy fight. Crazy fight. But but Uda's an 85er, and that always bothered me. It's like, how is a guy that fights at 250, 260, having lost to a guy that is that much smaller than him? But there's just something not there. We we were so up on him, he beat Tim Johnson. Holy fuck, beat Tim Johnson. Since then, he's got that three-fight that, that three slide. The thing that's extra troublesome for me is he's lost the three fights Basically, the three ways that you can lose a fight. You know, against Rosinho, he gets exploited with his stand-up abilities. He gets cracked and he gets knocked out. With Olenek, he, he gets exploited on his submission abilities and gets, you know, ends up on the ground and gets choked out. With Arlovsky, it's like it, the fight doesn't even really hit the ground, nor does it stand up. It's just his inability to have any type of work rate against a guy over the course of 15 minutes. Again, it all comes back to worrisome. <clears throat> so against Green, he should go back to trying to get the takedown. But if he does, he'll get tired. And if he gets tired, he's just going to stand on the outside just like the Arlovsky fight, and ever so slightly get picked away by Maurice Green. So I don't like it, but I got Green. I got Green by decision. It's 110. It's a pick him. could go both ways. But uh, I got him to win a decision. The $8,200, I actually don't want any part of that. But it is cheap. On a cash game play, I could, I could take a poke there, but definitely not in GPP because 
even though he's six foot seven, he's a big boy. He doesn't have that big, big power that that would lead me to believe that he's going to knock out Albini. And flip side to that, even though he's got the first round submission over Batista, I don't really see Albini taking him down and him throwing up a triangle or something like that on him. You know, he ain't no Alexei Olenek. He's Maurice fucking Green. So Mo the Pirate to get a job done, probably by decision. I had just stolen uh, Cody's uh, iPad there just for a second to see if Dalka Lungiambula versus Daquan Townsend had a uh, had a DraftKings price. It doesn't. I think it's going to slot in based on how the odds are. Um, I think it's going to slot into 8,700. I think they're going to slot into that spot, which is in between Damian Maya and uh, and uh, Francis Ngannou. I think 8,700, because when you look at the odds and stuff, it's, see, they're all around that, that range. So Delka Langiambula uh, uh, versus Daquan Townsend. Townsend's coming in literally this morning. <laughs> or, uh, sorry, uh, as of the recording, it was like the morning of, and then the odds are minus 215 plus 165. Um, uh, Delka was supposed to take on jo- uh, Justin Ledette and... Um, Ledette pulled out for whatever reason. People are seemingly excited to bet Ledette, and I don't know if I would get on board with that. You knew something was wrong when Ledette was announced against anybody. It was like a slight favorite. It was like an even money fight. It was like, how could anybody think that he's in an even money fight with any, like, I guess this guy from EFC Africa? We've watched EFC Africa, Paul. We had the pleasure. I'm not Mm going to say displeasure. The pleasure of watching a fair amount of EFC Africa, and there's a natural trend there. That's really fucking bad. Yeah. Someone's got to say it. Bad. Production value, really fucking good. They basically just stole the UFC's old graphic package. Juan Potts was a freaking champion there. Juan Potts was a champ. Gareth McClellan. She was a champ. (laughs) Somebody went, oh, uh, Cyril Asker. Champ dog. Champ. Your boy Don Madge is a South African, but he's spent most of his time in Thailand because he's probably one of them. One of those smart guys. Don Madge is a South African guy. Yeah, I I like Don Madge. And there's one other guy. Uh... JP, he was on Contender Series last year. JP, I don't know, good mm. wrestler guy. Anyways, I, I haven't looked into doesn't Townsend. Matter. One of the greatest fighters of all time. Doesn't matter what country you're from. Trevor Prangley, my boy from South Africa. But outside of him, and like literally, he spent his entire career in San Jose and AKA. So, not gonna lie, I haven't had a chance to really look into this one deeply at this point. Especially like the opponent was just added. There's no DraftKings pricing yet for it. Yeah. I imagine they flew Delka over here and they were just like, hey, it's so expensive flying this guy over here. We're already paying for this. Just find somebody. No, I would imagine he would have had to have come a week or two early. Yeah, right? exactly. He's flying from Africa. They've been paying over. for his hotel. They flew him over. Like they've already like invested ten grand into him, type of thing. Yeah. And um, So then so then think about it. You're the UFC. You're the UFC now, Paul. This is your choice. And they say, fuck, man, this guy's already literally at the hotel and he's on weight. Like, we're going to have to show him, give him show money anyways. Yeah. Because of the late scratch. Yeah, he's going to step, he's going to step onto the scales. He makes weight. He's going to get his, he's going to get his pay, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, who, uh, find, find a local. We do this every time. F- find a local that wants to step up. And it's just like, it's Minnesota dog. Ain't nobody's going to step up. Brock Larson, he fucking retired. Reese Hernandez. Ha, huh, that's not going to happen. Who's going to step up? Where's the nearest place we can go for someone's going to step up? Michigan, which is exactly why you got Vince Murdoch on this card. Shouldn't be here. And you've got Daquan Townsend. Daquan fucking Townsend. I watched Daquan fight two years ago in Michigan at 170 pounds. What? This is 205. So when you talk about rolled out of bed and took the fight, like, 
Woof. Daquan rolled out of bed and took the fight. Uh, everybody on Facebook today has just been so happy for Daquan because, uh, let's face it, I don't think they figured he was going to make it to the UFC. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, here's a guy that's got almost 30 fights in this game, 21 and 8, 29 pro fights in this game. And he's lost with some good guys, and he, he ain't at this level. It ain't going to happen. It's nice to see that guy get the fight. It's nice to see that guy get the opportunity. But we've been seeing this a lot. The local guy takes the fight, steps up. How many of those local guys have won? How many of those local guys even gave you the impression of like, damn, that guy was a you know a highly touted prospect? There's the odd one. There's the odd one that comes around here and there. But for the most part, it's like you're the local guy that got called in to do a job, and that's what it is. When you look at Daquan, I'll go back to that exact fight. But uh, he loses to Jason Fisher, right? His wins are over in the last little bit. A 3-1 and one Willis Black. Then he beats Hector Urbina. Your boy, Hector Urbina. Then he beats 9-3 and three Muhammad Aldula. Then he loses. This is uh, about a year ago. This is almost exactly one year ago, June 30th. He loses to a 3-0 and o Jamal Hill. Then he beats Portland Pringle III, 11-10. And Wayman Carter, 7-9. and nine, And gets this fight. He's 2-1 in his last three. The loss being to a 3-0 fighter. The win's coming over uh, an 11-10 Portland Pringle III and 7-9 Wayman Carter. Did I mention the win over Portland Pringle III was a split decision? Yeah, the 11-10 Portland Pringle. Yeah, no, split decision. And now he's going to jump up a weight class to take on Dolkan. On uh, Dolka? Dolcha? Dolka. Dolka. He's going to take on Dolka on, on, on short notice. Up a weight class. So it's like, fuck that. But the yeah. flip side there is Dalka's 33. I think I, I'm told he's a judo guy. From what I've seen, I just he's not my kind of guy. I could see Justin Ledette picking him apart, and that's a problem. I could see Justin Ledette picking him apart. So Daquan's got a lot of experience, dude. He really does. And when he's got almost three times the amount of experience of his South African counterpart. And whereas we're laughing a little bit at some of the opponents he's had, Dalka's in the same boat. He's fought a really low level of opponent. The worst guy in Michigan could go over to that scene and do some damage. Mark my words on that. So I would have to say fucking pass on this fight. There's no way in any world that exists as I'm betting Dal- Daquan Townsend, unless it was like a Bellator card or something. And uh, it's not gonna happen. And Dalka, on the flip side, you know, you got a guy that just took a fight on a day's notice, and I'm not big on him. I was probably one of those guys that was gonna take Justin Ledet. Let's be real. So, am I just gonna bet him all of a sudden by de facto if I, I can't pull the trigger on Daquan? Can't. I'd have to say pass. I was hoping they weren't gonna put no fight together, so it was like one less to worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the responsible thing is like, who the fuck cares that you guys upon? Just don't bet it. But the degenerate part of anybody says, gotta have a little action, right? Give us a little bit. Oh, I mean, it's Just give me a little fucking action. on a on a card of cranberry sauce. This fight, <laughs> yeah, that, no, the whole card's kind of cranberry sauce. Yeah. I'll I'll give the quick yeah, recap. Pogi Rob's parlay. Pogi Rob's parlay says Francis Ngannou, Joseph Benavidez. No, we need to make some big money on this parlay. We'll take Anthony Martin. Oh, we're gonna take Tony Martin there. We're gonna take Vince Michelle. We're gonna take Drew Dober, Lonzo Menafield. Ricardo Ramos, Eric Anders, Jordan Griffin, Jared Gordon, Emily Whitmire, Maurice Green, and Dal- yeah, Dalka. Yeah, I can't, I can't go. There. I agree with everything that you just said, except for uh, thing is, Anthony. is that young, like young, is, Cody, young Cody says, "Fucking pussy, man! You gotta, you gotta take some more dogs here." I mean, there's just a lot of big favorites. Two of them are. Gonna Did you say them. Roberts or P- Pichelle? Well, see, I the one that I'm looking at is no. And you're in your parlay. Did you pick Roberts or Pichelle? Roberts. 
No, 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 no. I took Pichelle. Yeah, I got. Okay, I, there you go. Pichelle, there's, Pichelle's there's, a two, there's, a re, there's the bankroll. Pichelle's booster. a two twenty five. We got a two twenty five there, and then and then like what else do you got? Anthony Martin's a one sixty. That could be the other one. But as far as the other ones go, it's like you just there's you got a lot of untrustworthiness on this guy. Yeah, be 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 careful with trying to hammer a bunch of parlays here on a bunch of minus 300s is hey maybe maybe that ends up being the move but i just see lots of ways for those to get absolutely shredded by one one that's guy. been the theme, don't be overexposed the to these minus 300 guys across the yeah board. that's that something been, is going to go wrong of course but that's been the theme is that you see not only is it just a favorite you'll get these big favorites like the line just gets steamed it almost it come fight time sometimes it's almost a bit of a joke and then literally you could live bet that fight and get the price you want. Yeah. You just got to give it a little time. So as much as I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to say the coward's way out. I can't tell you like, oh, man, fucking making so much money just live betting instead. It's like, yeah, we got to pre-record the show in advance. But if you want to take this shit seriously, live betting is like such a fucking crucial part of it. It really yeah. is. So that's what I can uh, say. Live betting, out. live hedging. There's so many opportunities where you're like, damn, that guy just lost that first round, but his opponent's unbelievably gassed right now. I'll take the guy down around, get a good price on him, or like anything. Or like Paul Craig. Paul Craig gets like 10 aided in round one, and then he'll be like a plus like 1,500 underdog at that point. And you go yeah, like, yeah. well, maybe Menafield gasses. That's worth a small little poke. Or, or yeah, if Junior Dos Santos gets through the first two rounds against Francis Ngannou, maybe there's an opportunity for uh, of course, for but, him but to it, pull it, it off. It, it could be the same thing where Drew Dober versus Polo Reyes, right? And sometimes you, you just like, have, yeah, you get, you like you get Dober. information, you get data, you're able to... Yeah, but, but you like Dober and he's 335. And then the first round, hey, first round's close. You know, first rounds are generally close because guys are competitive for the first five minutes. It's breaking down the later rounds that shows who's good and who's not or who's great and who's not. But in this case, if Polo Race is competitive for the first round and this looks like it, that's a closer fight than three and a half to one, then you're going to get a better price and then you can hit it. I don't want to say it's all about just looking at numbers, but you know, a chunk of it is. You look at some of those fights from last night, from Contender Series, I should say, right? The, in what world does it exist that these guys are five and six to one and yeah. seven to one? No world. But it's a short card, and I want a little action on Tuesday. Yeah. So even though they I open them up at three and they get steamed up to five, even though I highly disagree with this price, I'm just gonna hit it. It's like you you, you shouldn't be doing that. No. You you can't be doing that. That's uh that's chasing to make a play. You just want to make a play, so you force the play. So, you know, a lot of people say uh, just trust your instinct or, or you know, only play a couple fights on the card. I just think you got to have a better degree of – the last thing I'll leave you with is, well, like Pogi Rob's parlay. One thing I'll do is I'll take all 12 fights and I'll put – let's say it's – let's just say for the sake of conversation, a $1 parlay. And you put the 12 fights on the one parlay. But as you're doing your research, you would – to me anyways, I, I look at Jared Gordon and I say, oh, fuck Jared Gordon. Out of five stars – for me, he's a four-and-a-half-star, four-and-a-half-star play. I like Jared Gordon. For the almost the exact same price, I have Jordan Griffin. But I don't like that style clash. So maybe he's a three-and-a-half-star guy to me. For almost the exact same price is Ricardo Ramos. That one I'm a little worried on. So you, there's certain guys you trust more than others. So as you go down this ridiculous parlay, $1 for all 12, cut four of them that you don't like. Cut mm -hmm. the four that it's like, you know what? Cut the two-and-a-half-star guys. Cut the... Cut the guys you don't really fucking trust. And that way, when you're watching the fight, you hope that shit guy wins. Because he's on that $1 parlay, baby. But if that shit guy happens to lose... You don't get sunk. 
I still got my eight fight parlay. And if that one gets sunk, I got my four fight parlay. And as long as, and yes, that does happen from time to time, as long as Jared Gordon doesn't get sparked and the other two guys you linked him up with, you're good. If you look at last night again, the contender series that just happened, you have five big favorites, right? You build a parlay with three of those big favorites. Obviously, you don't take Cunningham. If Cunningham happens to lose, you're not going to lose any money because the three saved you on the five that you lost. It's just kind of like a way to hedge out a little bit. The beauty of this is when it gets to the main event, if you're alive by the main event and you'll have something live by the main event, it's the easiest hedge out in the world, mm-hmm. especially the last couple of weeks because the dog's been winning. It's an easy hedge out when you're betting an underdog. Yeah. It's a shit hedge out when you have the underdog and the other guy is John Jones and he's six to one. Like That's a tough hedge out. Yeah, exactly. This is an easy hedge out. So that's that's what you have the benefit going for you. And what if Daquan for whatever reason wins and blows your parlay? It's the first fight of the card. You go on from there. I don't see it happening. So, anyways, at this point, I'm just rambling on. So I'll leave you with that. And that wraps it up for us. Thank you to Cody Saf for bringing down the fights for, for with us, with me, with me, as us, always. Chad, the audience. Chad is also here. Pat Mayo's fabulous set of of rubber wrestlers. Yeah. You have a couple over your shoulder as well. Thanks to Cody. Thanks to Chad. For Chad and Cody, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. You have experience. Experience.